Hello, and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, welcome to another episode of Capstan Live. I'm Helena Carmel here with our producer, Aaron Strongen. And today we have two special guests for Double the Info and Double the Fun. But before I introduce them, how good did you know? Aaron, wanna did you know? He's nodding. He wants a did you know. <laughs> did you know that Capstan has now brought our R&D tax credit division in-house? We have. And it's going like gangbusters. Everything that people really like about Capstan cost seg, the attention to detail and the meticulous work product and that, that personal Capstan touch, now you can get it for Capstan R&D tax credit services. It's really exciting. I'm very excited. Are you excited, Aaron? Thumbs up from Aaron, a big one. Um, and I'd like to welcome two members of the Capstan team who are making the R&D tax credits division such a tremendous success. Welcome to the pod, Lindsay King and Carly Coker. Yay, they're here at the pod. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having us. Excited to be here. Yay. Oh, and you guys, you guys are both brilliant geniuses. And I just want to like, just, just get a little backstory. For Lindsay, first of all, you're, you're the R&D success manager here, but you're also an attorney. How did you go from A to B? It blows my mind. Yeah. Um, so I started uh, law school straight out of college and didn't really have a plan for after that. Um, but once I got into law school and started learning about things, I, I decided that I wanted to go more of a corporate route, mm -hmm. dealing with finances and different types of corporate structures and whatever it may be. Um, and then I, I happened to go, um, you know, into the research and development tax credit realm where I could use my law degree since it is all based on, you know, internal revenue code. It comes directly ah. from the law. There's a lot of case related work. Um, so it was a pretty easy transition to go oh. from, you know, law school into this kind of law realm, if you will. Um, while it is technical in and of itself, I, I kind of focus more on the, the legal research side. Fascinating. So your legal background really teed you up for this, this career. It's very interesting. It really is. I, you know, I always just think of Legally Blonde, which is probably not a good representation of what it is to go to law school and be an attorney. So probably not. <laughs> Only um, a little bit. Only oh, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> good to <you> know. <laughs> and Carly, you're our R&D project manager and you're a chemical engineer and you're a brilliant genius. I know that as well. Um, do you find that your technical background really plays a, a part here in your role at Capstan? Yeah, and I don't know about the genius, but, you know, I will take it. <laughs> but, Please do. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, while there obviously is a legal aspect to the credit, which I'm very grateful to have Lindsay for, oh, um, yeah. there's definitely a technical aspect. Um, you know, research and development is just inherently scientific. So, being able to use my knowledge and understanding of sciences like physics, chemistry, engineering definitely helps um, when I'm really speaking the language of our clients that I like to say. Uh, yes. Um, 
you know, I, I can make sure I'm aligning my questions for them to their specific type of work, their specific processes. So they can also kind of understand where I'm coming from and how they do fit into the R&D tax credit. You guys are like a perfect dream team for this. Seriously. <laughs> you know what? I don't know why I'm saying that like I'm surprised because, <laughs> but no, you really, your skill sets are just complement each other and complement the nature of this work so well. Um, okay. So now that we've told our listeners a little about you guys, let's tell them a little bit about the R&D tax credit. Oh, wait, first of all, how many years do you guys have in the industry? You've been doing this for some time, right? Mm-hmm. So myself, I've been in the industry for about four years now. Um, and I've probably done a little bit over 250 R&D studies. Wow. Wow. And you're like a baby next to Lindsay, not a baby, yeah. but you're youthful. <laughs> Lindsay, you you've, been in the, you've been in the biz even longer, right? That's correct. I've been in the research and development world for probably seven going on eight years. Um, and my, my study count is over 400 um, wow. at this rate. Yep. Wow. Okay. So we've got experts here. Um, their credentials check out, right, Aaron? Thumbs up from Aaron. Yep. The credentials check out big time. Um, so you guys, I want to start out by debunking the biggest misconception that people have about the R&D credit. People feel like if they're not doing medical research or something of that ilk, then they're not eligible. And I know that's totally wrong. Can we start out by talking about all the industries that might be doing eligible research? It's way more than just like a white coat thing, right? Absolutely. There's so many different industries that qualify. Well, absolutely. Your typical, you know, lab coat beakers in a lab situation does likely qualify for the credit. Other um, areas such as manufacturing, engineering, uh, software, technology, food and bev. Food and uh, bev. Yeah, like wineries or distilleries, um, construction, architecture. um, There's all sorts of things um, that can qualify for the credit itself, which is kind of a misnomer. This, This credit was actually enacted initially. Um, by the government to keep manufacturing in the United States. So they put this federal credit incentive in place um, to try to keep folks from going overseas and outsourcing manufacturing and that kind of technical work. I see. I see. But yeah, you're right. The the title makes you think one thing, but it's actually, there's really a plethora of industries that could theoretically be eligible. Yeah. That brewery thing blew my mind when you told me about that one. (laughs) Fascinating. Like food is a science. It's crazy. Um, Okay. So, so how do you actually decide what research makes the cut? Like now that we know it could be any, any number of industries, like what type of research has to make the cut? What are the the criteria that would make research eligible? Right. Good question. Um, so there is, I'm going to get a little, little tax code and legal here, um, but there is a section in the Internal Revenue Code itself, um, section 41D, that actually defines qualified research. Okay. Um, it does this by describing what's called the four-part test, or as we like to call it, the capstan criteria. Love to call it that. <laughs> and a, a company essentially must satisfy each of these four parts for their activities to be eligible for the credit. I see. Um, so this is what Lindsay and I use as our basis when we're deciding whether or not does this company's activities qualify as research under the tax code. Okay. So um, I can walk you through each of those four parts. Please. So, I would love to, to get a little <laughs> more insight. Okay. Yeah. So part one. Mm-hmm. 
Part I'm holding up is, one finger, one finger. <laughs> part one is a new or improved business component. Um, basically in layman's terms, it kind of describes what a business component is. And that could be a variety of things. It could be a product, a process, a formula, an invention, a software, or a technique. So a lot of things that could be a new or improved business component. Okay, so and any any one of the things you're trying to make a new product, or you're mm -hmm. trying to make make a new process, or you're trying to improve a process to mm -hmm. work on an old product, or you're trying to improve a software, or build a new software, or and anything, any of those those exactly things. right. Okay, mm -hmm. wow. And you could be doing several things. You could be creating a product while also improving a process. Oh, at the same time. So it doesn't have to be just one, as long as you do have oh. at least one. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So part one is new or improved business component. What's part two, Carly? So part two is the elimination of uncertainty. So meaning at the outset of this business component or this project, a little bit more layman's terms, you must be uncertain as to either the final design, uh, you know, so what is this going to look like at the end of the day? Um, or the methodology. So how are we going to get there? How are we going to make this? What are the steps we're going to take? Or that, the last one is capability, meaning is this feasible? Can we even make this thing? Is it doable? So mm -hmm. eliminating uncertainty, I mean, that's what you're, we're trying to figure out, right? So it's like the mystery you're trying to solve in your research, mm -hmm. the, the uncertainty we're trying to eliminate. And obviously that right. would you know, vary in every case. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. right, hit me with part three. <laughs> right. So okay. like you said, the elimination of uncertainty, it's really the challenge how that are we we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the third part is the process of experimentation. And this is really the nuts and bolts of the four part test where the R&D is really taking place. And it basically says you have to be using some type of methodical problem solving process to overcome that uncertainty okay. in the second part. And, and it gives several forms of this. It could be an iterative design process. It could be trial and error, modeling, simulation, evaluating different alternatives. So that's really the bulk of the R&D is in that third part of the four-part test. That's where, where, I guess, what we think of as the traditional like experimentation mm -hmm. is happening. Like, right. so whenever people think R&D, they're like, picture like people in white coats in a lab with beakers, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that, that's where we come in. But like you said, it doesn't just have to be, you know, scientific bench-based research. It mm -hmm. could be simulation. It could be modeling. It could be any mm -hmm. number of things. Okay. So that's exactly. actually where the, 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 the work's being done is mm -hmm. part three. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then what's part four? What's the last criteria that we have to meet? Yeah, and part four is probably the simplest criteria because most clients that, you know, usually satisfy all the first three parts will satisfy this last part. But the last part is technological nature, meaning that you must be using a hard science like engineering, computer science, biology, physics throughout this process rather than a soft science like arts or history. Soft science. <laughs> Probably not so, doing much R&D with, with history. Oh, I can't even imagine. Oh, <laughs> that would be so cute. I was a bio major in college. So yas, hard sciences for the win. I'll agree. Mm -hmm. um, so, Agreed. okay. So, and it, so it's gotta be right. Hard, hard science related, which mm -hmm. totally makes sense. Exactly. Okay. All right. That that's great. Okay. So I, okay. I totally get this. I, I really do. And one thing that, that I wanted to point out is that in order to, to be eligible for the credit, the research doesn't have to be successful. 
right? Like, even if you can't, like, even if, you know, you're, you're trying to improve business component A and you fail, like it's not doable, it could still mm-hmm. be eligible for the credit, right? Because that really struck me. And like that, that's awesome. Like, even if you take a swing and you don't succeed, you could still be eligible theoretically for the R&D tax credit, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if you fail at something and you're having to try and try again, you're probably doing much more research than if you were to be successful the first time around. Oh, so yes. that is really, yes, that's very important with the credit is you do not have to be successful whatsoever as long as you still meet those four parts. I, that's, I think that's really an important um, um, nuance. Okay, so how does the credit work? Companies get up to 10 cents back for every dollar that they spend on research-related expenses. Is that right? That seems like so huge. It, 10 cents? Yes? That's right. That's that's the maximum amount you can get. The maximum. Um, every okay. dollar. Right. That's- and there's different types of expenses as well um, for the different types of companies to look at that vary that 10 cents, but... That's amazing that's a way to look at it. So, okay. So yeah, so up to 10 cents, but so what, what dollars would qualify? I know there's qualified research expenses and, and again, it's, it's four again, right, Lindsay? Another, that's another correct. four. Okay. Hit me. What's the okay. first one? Okay. <laughs> so the first one is in-house expenses. It's going to be employee wages. Um, this is typically the biggest mm. game changer for clients. It's likely where most expenses come out of. Um, and, and what it really comes down to is who is working on what at the company, right? You've got your decision makers, your direct research and development folks where you're looking at, you know, the engineering, the design, uh-huh. they're more of the decision maker or the analytical person. Um, and, and that's going to be a, a big chunk of the qualified expenses from a wage perspective. Um, but that doesn't end there from, from the wage side. You actually have direct supervision of somebody doing direct R&D and direct support. So not only do you have the you know, decision maker, you also have whoever's supervising that decision maker. And you have somebody that might be helping like a machinist machining a prototype where they maybe are not making the prototype. They have no idea it's a prototype. But the fact that they're working on a research project, that time can still qualify. Listeners, my mouth is literally open. So like they don't even need to know what they're doing. Like they just can be part of the chain and not even need to kind of know the big picture and their wages can still be part of qualified research. That's remarkable. Okay. So wages and wages is going to be the, the, yay, the, What's the word? Yeoman's share? The yeoman's share? Aaron, what's the word? Yeoman. The yeoman's share, right? The biggest chunk. Uh, as Aaron, he's always here when I need him. Okay, so wages is number one. So number two, Lindsay, what's number two? So number two is going to be supplies and materials. So mm-hmm. these are tangible goods that are used throughout a research and development project. Whether it's a process or a product, it will depend on what materials you may look at. Okay. Um, and this is the largest qualified expense typically seen in the manufacturing industry. Ah. Yes, due to the nature of manufacturing is typically, typically making something tangible, right? Right. Um, and some examples of types of expenses you could take are first article runs, pilot models, um, raw materials that go into an improved you know, um, product, um, any type of prototypes. You, know, you kind of get the gist of it's mm-hmm. got to be a newer improved 
product or process, right? And those supplies and materials used along the way, we can look at for potential wow. um, expenses. So, right, the cost of all of that physical stuff that you need to, to, to make whatever it is you're making. Okay, amazing. Yeah. So that totally makes sense. And what's number three, Lindsay, the third type of qualified research expense? So number three is going to be another in-house expense. Initially, it was called a computer rental expense. And when this <laughs> credit was enacted, computers were being rented. I love it. I love it. It's so 80s. Rent your computer. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) now in modern times, what it's referred to is uh, cloud hosting costs. So a lot of folks in software development may um, do some cloud hosting, you know, rental storage for development purposes. Now that's the key. It has to be for development purposes. It can't just be, oh, you know, I saved my photos in the cloud. Um, it needs to be for the development or of a new or improved product or process, et cetera. Okay. okay, that um, makes sense. So yeah, I mean, if you're renting computers that are specific computers, we can maybe look at that. But typically, this really comes down to cloud hosting costs. Have you ever, in your many years in the industry, seen anybody renting a computer anymore, Lindsay? No. Okay, not yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I guess not. It just takes me back to a simpler time. But I guess we'll have to call it cloud hosting. Um, fees. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the third one. And what's, what's number four? So the last one is third-party contractors. So this looks at if a taxpayer is paying or utilizing a third party outside of their internal employee group to do certain services, um, which I know that's very generic, but that can range from testing to CAD modeling to actual engineering um, some construction clients will hire an architect to actually do ah. the design and stamp, you know, architectural drawings. Um, ah. And it, it is a little bit different um, than the other three. There is a slight haircut on third party expenses to account for some of the other deductions you can take. Um, however, any U.S. based con- uh, contractor that is either doing research and development on behalf of the taxpayer or supporting the taxpayer's research and development. Um, could potentially qualify for this. Okay. So even if you bring in, you you know, you bring in uh, extra resources from, from outside the firm, that can also theoretically qualify those wages. That's awesome. Exactly. That's as long awesome. as it's in the, it's U.S.-based work. U.S.-based. Yeah, that's actually really important, right? Because like you said, yeah. the whole point of the credit initially was to stimulate um, in, uh, innovation in, in the U.S. So that makes sense. Okay. This is incredible. Okay, so these companies who could come from any number of industries, including breweries, which still blows my mind, these companies, they how do they know, number one, if they're eligible? And number two, like what would be the amount of their qualified research expenses? So that would be where, where you, you ladies would come in, right? Can you talk right. to me a little bit about the process? Yeah. So initially what we do, um, and because Carly and I have been in the industry for a while, is we do a little background research ourselves, right? Mm. We look you up online, see what kind of products or services you might be offering so that we can have a more detailed conversation. Um, Typically, it starts with a a simple conversation with with Carly or myself and the sales team uh, to determine where we should focus our efforts. You know, what's the breakdown of your business? Um, is it a product? Is it a process? Is it engineering? Is it manufacturing? You know, looking at kind of all of bits and pieces. Once we understand high level what that looks like, we'll ask for some specific sets of data. 
most of the information up front is financial based to see mm-hmm. the potential qualified expenses um, so that we can determine it's going to be a viable credit. And what I mean by that, just to clarify, is if you only have, you know, say $10,000 in qualified expenses and you're looking at most, you know, 10 cents on the dollar, does it make sense? You know, not necessarily going to be worth your while. Right. So we'll, we're going to help you walk through that, look at it up front, see what the expenses are, the potential for R&D credits. Um, and we'll walk you through, you know, step by step what that's going to look like for your company. Can um, I interject and just say that yeah. that is something I love about Capstan, like is how everybody's like very candid. Like if something is really not in a client's best interest, they'll advise, you know, some people just want to sell anything. But like, that's something I really respect. Like a lot of people here, they have that integrity and, you know, it's like, if this is just not going to be worth your while, like they'll, they'll tell them straight out. And I just, yeah. I think that's really special. So heads up people, Capstan R&D <laughs> has a lot of business ethics and integrity. So sorry, as you were. So, okay. No, absolutely. To your point, you know, we always want to put the taxpayer in the best position, whether or not that's taking the R&D credit, that's something we can help them determine. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot of moving pieces in the tax world, um, but that's what we're here to help out. Um, You know, from from an initial standpoint, we do take a project based approach. So we're going to look at the different types of work that the, the companies are doing, what kinds of expenses might be eligible within those types of projects. Um, and ultimately, we're going to tailor the process and what we need specific to what you already have mm. been tracking or have in-house. You don't have to have any you know, specific set of data. Carly and I will help figure out you know, what is in existence already. How can we pull this and use it to our advantage? Oh, so you guys. So, yeah, you guys really have to customize every single study, right? Because every industry is different. Every company is different. Every research is different. And the data that they already have in-house is going to be different. So you guys really approaching, have to approach every, every study from, from step one and really customize and tailor to, to the needs of the taxpayer. Yep. That's right. And that's why I say you're such brilliant geniuses, by the way, because no, one day you're doing software and digging deep into all of this software development. And the next day you're figuring, looking at, you know, I don't know, um, manufacturing, like die cast models of something. I don't know. You guys have to understand a lot. And I, I think it's really, really quite impressive. No joke. Um, okay. So this is all very involved. <laughs> Now, does this take a lot of the company's time? Like if I'm company A and I'm like, Lindsay, I'm interested in learning about taking the R&D tax credit, but like, I don't have time to sit with you guys forever. I mean, how, how much time does this really take from the taxpayer? Yeah, and no, not at all. Um, it does not take a lot of their time. I would say, I mean, we will need some information up front from them mm-hmm. initially um, and maybe a few hours of their time for interviews. But Lindsay and I are going to do all of the heavy lifting on our end in terms of the work that needs to be done. Um, we obviously know that they're running a business. So right. we want to make sure that we're being as efficient with their time as possible and not yeah. keeping them on the phone. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's awesome. I think that that's really what people want to hear and need to hear, like that, that um, will be as um, careful and protective of their time as possible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so wait, speaking of time, can a company do this every single year? Carly, what are the time parameters here? 
Yeah, so yes, um, each year the analysis does stand on its own. So ah. a company can take advantage of the credit year over year. Um, now there is a limit on how far back a company can go to amend a tax return with the credit, okay. but that's something in our conversations up front that Lindsay and I will help with in, in determining what years are available, mm -hmm. still open to amend, and what makes the most sense. Ah, so but, right. That's again a personal question depending right. on facts we'll and definitely circumstances. Help. Again, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely advise them on that. Um, but the great thing about the R&D credit is even though it is a non-refundable credit, that does not mean you have to use it or lose it. Um, oh. The credit is actually allowed to be carried back one tax year if you don't use it in the current tax year. Ooh. And then it can be carried forward up to 20 years. 20 years? Yes, 20, that long. <laughs> 20, yes. Two zero. Wow. Yes. Oh, that, that makes this a long even time. better. <laughs> that, no, no, really. Like everything you guys say, I'm like, this credit really is sounding better and better. Like, Aaron, <laughs> do we do any qualified research around here? Can we uh, get in on this? Uh, thumbs down <laughs> from Aaron. Thumbs down. Regretfully. Um, okay, so I have to ask. Can you, how much are we really talking in terms of tax savings? Can you run me through like a real life example, something so I can get a, a sense of the scope of savings we're talking about? I feel like inquiring minds want to know, like mine and Aaron's, right, Aaron? Yeah, he does. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll start with the manufacturing example, just, you know, since that's such a prevalent industry yes. in the U.S. Um, in and of itself. Now this is specific to uh, sheet metal fabrication that you know they did custom panels and duct work and, mm. and things of that nature. So okay. they actually designed, built, manufactured, and then installed. Um, oh, I bet they had tons of supplies and materials costs, right, Lindsay? <laughs> right, right. They did. They yes. did. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm excited when I can put pieces together. Okay. <laughs> yep. So from this company's perspective, their annual gross receipts average was about $25 million. Um, so that's over like the last three or four years. Okay. Um, their qualified research expenses in one given year was about $1.2 million. Okay. So that's qualified um, expenses were broken down into about $800,000 in payroll. So their wages. Okay. And then $400,000 in um, supplies and materials. That's right. I'm, I'm yep. mouthing it over here. Supplies <laughs> and materials. Yep. So okay. based on that 1.2 million of qualified expenses, we ended up looking at a tax credit of about $80,000. 80,000? Yep. For one Boy. year. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is a lot. I feel like that's more than I was expecting. Goodness. Yeah. And it's all dependent on the expenses at the company, right? You know, if somebody right. only has a million dollars in payroll, you know, the max you're going to get in the payroll expense is a million dollars. Goodness gracious. My, okay, that, yeah. that is awesome. And that is, that is nothing to sneeze at. Okay. I feel like I've taken enough of your time, ladies, because you're probably busy and you need to like jump on a jet to like go to some mysterious like research facility somewhere. But, but before you go, if listeners at home want to know if their firm is um, conducting research that might be eligible for this credit, what's the best, what's their best first step? What should they do? So I would say they can either just call the office number um, or shoot an email to anybody you know at Capstan if you already have a point of contact. Um, our information is also online as well. But whoever you do talk to will we'll make sure that you get in touch um, with myself and Lindsay to get the process started. 
Oh, great. Okay. So anybody, any member of the sales team can also help them um, get connected with you guys. Um, yes, so listeners, absolutely. if you've got your phone in your hand and you're like on the treadmill or whatever, 215-885-7510, you can always just call or I'd like Carly and Luke said, they're info is on the website uh, or you can just contact your regular capstan team member and we can hook you up and connect you with these ladies um thank you guys so much for being here i really appreciate it and i got so much i, I got so much out of that and i hope our listeners did too thank you Lindsay. thank you carly we really appreciate you. you coming this on the pod it no, was a lot you. of fun a lot of fun yes. um listeners if you liked what you heard why not subscribe we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or just go to that website, www.capstantax/podcasts. I'm Helena Carmel here with our producer, Aaron Strongen. Say goodbye, Aaron. That was a wave, a wave from Aaron. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.